0: Welcome to the
1: FitManiacs.com podcast, where each week we bring you reaction, analysis, previews, rumors, and so much more. And now, here's your host, Matthew Canada. Welcome to another edition of the FitManiacs.com podcast. It's another week for us, and I'm joined by Louis Sugg, Chad Ronapoff, and Kathy D'Amato. And we are coming off an amazing Super Bowl game. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the amazing Super Bowl result, even though if you listened last week, you know, Lewis, our fanboy, our Patriots fanboy, was rooting for the Patriots to win.
2: I'm um, gonna beat you to, I'm gonna beat you down when I see you again, man.
1: So you know, he's pretty happy about the result, it seems like. but,
2: but oh, yeah, I'm thrilled. For the,
1: rest, for the rest of the true dolphins fans around the world. <sighs> the pain and anguish as the Seattle, the Seattle defense oh, thirty seven completions for fifty yards. 328 yards, an average of 6.6 yards per completion, which is, hmm, quite similar to Ryan Tannehill this past season. He had four touchdowns, two interceptions, took one sack. Russell Wilson, on the other hand, 12 for 21, didn't have a great, huge game as far as passing goes. 247 yards, an average of 11.8 yards per completion, which is really good. Two touchdowns, one interception. Patriots had no rushing game going. Their leading rusher had 40 yards in Lagirre Blunt. Next one had 13 yards in Shane Green. Julian Edelman even was had a carry for seven yards. Marshawn Lynch had a quiet day. Not a quiet day, but had a quiet. Uh, got to 100 yards pretty quietly. He didn't have huge runs. He was just grinding the entire game. Finished with 102 yards. Should have finished with at least 103 because they should have given him the ball. We'll talk about that in a little bit. On the Patriots side, Julian Edelman had a fantastic game: 109 yards, nine receptions, one touchdown. Rob Gronkowski, of course, was a key factor. Shane Vereen also played a big role. On the Seattle side, Chris Matthews, who exactly? He was working at a department store several weeks ago. Got a call with the Seahawks: 109 yards, four receptions. Until the Patriots moved Brandon Browner on him to shut him down for the remainder of the game. You know, it was a, it was one of the best Super Bowls I've seen. Obviously, we're not happy with the result, but there's nothing we can do as fans. We just have to live with the fact that the Patriots are Super Bowl champions. We get to hear about them for the next several months, about how great they are throughout the entire 2015 season. We get to hear the defending Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots, blah, 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 blah. Whatever. The best of all time. I'm over them. What would you guys think of the game?
0: Well, it it just made me sick to see the Patriots win first off, and obviously... But I just don't understand. You have Marshawn Lynch. He's called Beast Mode for a reason. He only had one fumble this season. Why would you not give it to him? It, it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But I do agree. It was a really exciting game. Unfortunately, it was ruined by the Patriots winning, though. Uh,
3: well, the game... It played out similar to the way I kind of expected it. would, in the, the Seattle's uh, weakness was their passing game, and despite um, them having some exciting plays and getting the ball down the field, I mean literally it was uh, just throwing the ball up to a bigger receiver that was covered. It wasn't Russell Wilson uh, surgically picking apart the Seattle defense, or sorry, the Patriots defense by any means. So that was the big differential in the game was that the uh, Seahawks really just couldn't throw the ball effectively on a consistent basis. Uh, As far as the end call, it makes absolutely no sense to me either. And, you know, I've I've had the similar frustration with the Dolphins this year on their third and short calls. It it doesn't make any sense to me when you need less than a yard to throw a football. I mean, you just either quarterback sneak it forward or you give it to a really heavy guy to slam it up in there. and. I'm sure Seattle would like to have it back, but other than that, I do. I just kind of uh, I I don't like Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. So it was one of those things where after it was over, I was over it. I didn't watch any of the post game and just went about my business. <laughs> I didn't really care to watch Tom Brady or Belichick. The only thing you can say is you know whether or not the deflated football is a big deal. At least it's a somewhat uh, of a tainted victory and season for the Patriots. Um, with that being said, in terms of their legacy, but. Other than that, that's all I had to say about it.
2: Okay. The, to spite Matthew Kanata's uh, little rant about my uh, apparent Patriot fanboyism, I was perhaps the most violently upset individual on Twitter that I was actually seeing about how upset I was over the fact that the Patriots had just somehow pulled off some ridiculous miracle and apparently this guy Malcolm whatever his name is apparently literally knew the play he keeps everybody keeps saying that he actually knew the play that makes me really mad because then it feels like oh so you like you had it you had it memorized huh how could you have done that uh well I'm not gonna go there right now why don't you run the football with Marshawn Lynch well I have a little theory about that this is back. This comes back to the one thing that I have been ranting about for the past several months, and that many people are are know our friend Spoon on Twitter for, and that is the magical QB world. You, these people. I have this theory, and it's going to sound ridiculous, and it's going to sound like a conspiracy, but I honestly, truly believe this. They wanted so badly for Russell Wilson to be the hero of the game that they decided. You know, we're going to let our young quarterback come out and show him why he's a top five quarterback and he's one of the elites in the NFL. So we're just going to let him save the day and throw the last game winning touchdown instead of doing, you know, the actual logical thing. You have the strongest running back in the NFL and you only need a half a yard. But no, no, let's not do that. Let's let Russell Wilson get his shot at being the hero of the game so we can talk about how awesome Russell Wilson is instead of Tom Brady. And in doing so, you basically – you literally handed the Patriots the Super Bowl on a silver platter and said, here you go. We don't want it. That made me ridiculously upset. You guys have no idea. I I, I felt sick to my stomach. I actually wanted to throw up by how mad I was over what I had just seen. You had no business – not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Is this some kind of protest? Is this some kind of way of let, giving the NFL a break and saying, here you go, we're going to try and make sure that it's not Lynch who you've been fighting over, uh, not talking to the media and, uh, and inappropriate touchdown del- celebrations and stuff like that? Is this your way of saying we're going to give you a break and not let Marshawn Lynch be the hero? We're going to let it be Russell Wilson? That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I, I have no words for how dumb that play call was, and I am glad that Pete Carroll realizes that that one call was part of the reason was the was the only reason they lost that football game. I'm sure he realizes that if he had let Marshawn Lynch of the football, they would be the Super Bowl champions right now, not the Patriots. I mean, why? Just. Why would you do that other than maybe you just really wanted Russell Wilson to be the hero of the
1: game? It's interesting it's- to hear all the reaction about that play. Chad, I know you've done a lot of film breakdown throughout the season. What were your thoughts?
3: <sighs> oh, I, I guess there's two trains of thought. One is what we want to call a play that the def- that looks most successful to what the defense does. Or you're looking at it schematically. And So, yeah, you see the Patriots are obviously – overloading big time to stop the run and so i can understand the idea that well the pass should be open but uh, it, in my mind uh you know you have to have a, a quarterback is russell wilson and i i'm i like russell wilson i think he has potential to be a good quarterback but he is not a, a peyton manning or he ain't Aubrey elite or Drew he's not elite and uh, a quarterback that's elite. I mean, it's it's about having a feel for your situation. And I know you're, you know, in the final, you know, seconds of the Super Bowl. But you gotta realize you have 30 seconds. It's second down, and you absolutely, positively, do not throw a football that has any chance of getting picked off. You, you just don't do it because you have two more downs and you have Marshawn Lynch. So I, I gotta say. The coaches, I, I didn't agree with the call, but even more importantly is why in the world would you even attempt to throw a pass like that in that situation? So to me, it's you would look at it. If it's not clearly there, you just throw the ball away or you just tuck it and try to run. Those are your real options. So I in terms of the film breakdown you're referring to, the Dolphins did a lot. I just don't understand it. I haven't understood it all season on when you have a, a situation where it's third and one or fourth and one, it I don't know why you would go into a passing formation. One, the Dolphins did it a lot this year. They would leave three wide receivers in there, and that's a passing formation. And I look at that, I'm like, that that has about the same statistical chance of converting a first down as like a third and two or a third and three. You're you're completely removing your advantage of having a third and short situation. And you watch the successful teams in the league, and they are always. Quarterback sneak in those situations, or they're running the ball in those situations because the chances are of turning the ball over are slim and none. So I can't say I agree with Lewis's. You know, I, I I can't imagine Pete Carroll care could care less about what people think about Russell Wilson on Twitter. But I, I know,
2: I know, I, I know it I sounds ridiculous, it, but that's just my feelings.
3: I, I I don't think it was any kind of a conspiracy. I think it was one. A, too risky of a call for the offensive coordinator and the coach to make and two it it showed that Russell Wilson is not a you know a six or seven year veteran quarterback that's got a lot of savvy he's you know he's still pretty young and he made a mistake by throwing the football at all in that situation so I can't say that uh I know I felt good about it I was stunned when I saw it happen but like I said you just you've seen more and more in that today's NFL where teams are passing in those short situations Kathy, what were your
2: thoughts?
0: It's not, Are you okay, Louis?
2: <laughs> I'm still I don't know. kind of mad, but go ahead. Continue. I'll continue in a minute.
0: No, I just, I agree. Russell Wilson, I do think he is on the verge of being elite. I don't think he's quite there yet, and that final mm-hmm. play proved it. <laughs> I don't agree with Lewis I don't think they would make that risky of a call Just because the NFL didn't want to see Marshawn Lynch score the game winning touchdown You know what I mean? But, yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's just sickening <laughs>
2: I know, I know it sounds ridiculous and really that's just my that's just my heart coming out to speak. I understand that that's not really what happened and I understand that that's that Pete Carroll was just trying to be strategic about the whole thing, but I mean, it really does it feels that way so often. It feels like everybody wants their quarterback to be the one that's talked about. If 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 say Russell Wilson makes that completion, who's the MVP of the game? Russell Wilson. Oh,
0: absolutely, there yes, you Russell. go.
2: So there you go. That's what – everybody wants the quarterbacks to be the star. I understand that's not Pete Carroll's thinking. thats It's not like – I understand that. But it's just what it feels like all the time. I really don't have any the statistical breakdown on the Seahawks side of things to give any kind of credence to my thoughts. This is pretty much just – this is my full-on emotions coming out to talk, and it's just <sighs> – man i ha- I was so mad, I wanted to throw up. I really have that uh, that 's really what my feelings were about that to n- to realize that I was going to have to listen for the next few months about how Brady is the greatest quarterback of all times, and Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, and this dynasty, as long as it exists, will never die and all that. Crap that I'm that I already have been listening to, and I had to listen to Skip Bayless talk about justice from the David Tyreek. Head. What do you mean, justice? Just, what justice? What are you talking about? Carol made a dumb decision. That's not justice, that's not luck. That's just he, he, he messed up big time, and that's not justice Uh, that it's people like that people like skip and people like all the patriot lovers out there who talk about their quarterback being the best of all time who who cares about the cheating who cares about the scandals look we won four super bowls look brady the four three time four time mvp or whatever it's like so what so what he still wasn't that impressive and we'll get to that when we talk about the patriot side of things but i mean what did
1: Brady do that was so special? Really, just what did he do? Before you move on to that, I'm going to jump back in on the play. Uh, you, All three of you have said that you didn't like the play. I didn't see a problem with the play, to be honest with you. And I, I've mentioned this since then. I'm looking at the play right now. The ball was placed on the one-yard line in the center, a left hash mark, I should say. Like Chad said, they set up in a shotgun. That moved the ball at the snap at the six-yard line. So already you're you're pushing yourself back five yards. Was it the perfect play call? Absolutely not. Was it one of the worst call, play calls? Maybe, but I could totally see the logic behind it. You got the Patriots in a goal line situation where they're bringing out their goal line defense. They have man to man across the board. They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys right in the box. They got two corners right on the edge of the box and they got a linebacker in the back, um, ready for the run or the pass. The mistake was, that Russell Wilson threw the ball in the middle of the field where there's already a lot of bodies flying and, and trying to get to wherever they needed to get. Ideally, he would have threw a fade in the corner of the end zone or to the outside where the where the Patriots really had no chance to pick it off. Instead, he threw it. He led his receiver a little too far. And in that tight space, if you're going to throw it across the middle with Eight, nine guys in that area pretty much, at least bodies in the area. You need to be perfect with that throw. And he wasn't. So my fault is lying with Russell Wilson and his decision-making down in that area. And no one is really talking about that. Everyone's just talking about the play call itself. But really, that, the blame for losing that game shouldn't necessarily be on the coaches because that wasn't a horrible, horrible play call. It should be going on Russell Wilson. But instead, what, everyone's focusing on something else.
2: What makes it more egregious, Matt, is because it wasn't just any running back back there. It was no, I
1: know. It was Arshon Lynch. But they- I could totally see why they would pass it in that situation because, I mean, you're going up against a goal line defense who's selling out to stop the run. So you figure, all right, they're dictating the matchup. They're telling me that they're going to stop the run. They're going to dare me to pass the ball. And the Seahawks aren't going to back down from the challenge. Hell, they tried to they threw a touchdown with 6 seconds left from about the 20 yard line at the end of the first half and they scored okay so they're not going to back down from a challenge it's just an awful decision by Russell Wilson and he's not getting any criticism for it when he should be Okay, well
2: that's just the magical QB world again. But I mean, look, but, but let's not pretend like he was throwing to some superstar target, okay? Who was he throwing the ball to? Doug Baldwin?
1: No. Who is Lockett? Who is Doug- Lockett, Lock-
2: Lockett. Okay, either way, it's still a nobody. It's not like he is not like it was Brady the Gronk where you could like, "Here you go Gronk, just catch it and move on." Who's this guy Lockett? I don't even know the guy's name. Who's Ricardo. This, again? Ricardo Lockett who cares man? Who's, he's nobody who's Doug Baldwin he's kind of good but he's not really that special there's a reason Russell Wilson went 12 for 21 and I don't totally blame it on him nobody could get open the whole game it wasn't until Chris Matthews from Foot Locker managed to leap up and make some incredible catches that things started moving for the passing game it was really a matter of I'm out of ideas I'm just going to throw it up and hope that this new guy who's 6 foot 5 can make some kind of miracle happen and he did Three times. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like Russell Wilson had a lot to work with. I do. I don't. I'm not going to pin it all on him for that pass because I mean, who who does he? Again, just like we can, we can't complain about Tannehill's weapons and then say that it was all Russell Wilson's fault. Who does Russell Wilson have to work with? Even less than Tannehill. Still,
1: he should not have thrown that ball in the middle of the field. Awful, awful decision. Well, it was if, – if you're asking me, then
2: I would say is that better – Is if, I would rather throw it in the middle of the field to a linebacker who's nobody than throwing it up in the air to, for a jump ball for either Revis or Browner to go up and get. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Especially considering, once again, who the heck are the wide receivers he's throwing to. There's a whole bunch – you have two nobodies. Against, up against arguably the best secondary duo in the NFL. Um, I'm going to go with the nobody linebacker.
1: All right. Fact of the matter is the Patriots won the Super Bowl. They are the Super Bowl 49 champions, 28-24. <sighs> and we all have to live with that for the next several months. Yes, we have to live with it. But... At least until the end of the 2015 season when a new champion is crowned and when the Miami Dolphins hoist the Lombardi Trophy oh, in I'm the year sure. at Levi Stadium in Santa Wishful. Clara, California. Wishful thinking. And that will only yes, happen. I... What was that?
0: I like your mindset. You like that? Yeah.
1: I'm just I going into it. the. I'm going into the Madden world. I admire <laughs> your positivity. Hey, you never know, right? They're forty to one right now. You place what? You want to throw a hundred dollars on it? What, no. do you get, what are you going to end up with at the I'm end not of the year kidding. when they win the Super Bowl? That's right, four thousand dollars. Okay, you put your hundred dollars on it. I'm gonna stay and keep my money. All right. Well, we're going to be moving on now to the Dolphins. There is some Dolphins news. Believe it or not, it is the offseason, season, and and times are slow with news. 32 days till free agency. Isn't that crazy? Uh, when the Dolphins will shape start shaping their roster for the 2015 season. Before we move on, just wanted to drop this note reported by ESPN. Uh, Richie Incognito is visiting the Buffalo Bills on oh, Saturday. I- for oh. a uh, for a visit <laughs> and a physical. So if everything goes well, it looks like he might be Oh, that will be great with Rex okay, but, Ryan ugh. and and he will be going up against the Dolphins twice a year. That oh will be my. fantastic if he goes to the Bucs. I hope he does. Okay, well, well, just to be just
2: to just to give some clarification here, it, he went to the Denver Broncos and had a physical and all that stuff, and it was oh, said that he was going to have a deal there. So yeah, I'm. It, if anybody could sign this guy, it probably would be Rex, because let's not forget that Incognito will forever be the face of bullying. Thank you so much, Jonathan Martin.
1: Yeah. All right. Anyways, Mike Pouncey is rumored to be getting an extension. Mike Tannenbaum actually came out and said they're going to. Take care of Mike Pouncey's contract pretty soon. His contract expires at the end of this year, and he will be receiving a long-term contract at the center position. He mentioned at the end of the season he was going back to the center position for 2015. Chad, you've done breakdown on the whole team throughout the year. You've done breakdown on Pouncey. Uh, Give us your thoughts on the extension. Does he deserve it? What are his long-term outlook and so forth? like his money.
3: Uh, it's it's hard to say without seeing what kind of details they're talking about. Um, Pouncy was, was pretty it's difficult to judge on this here because he came off a really serious injury. And uh I'm still I still believe that's the reason he was playing guard was I think because of the position, you know, where you have to really squat down low if yeah. you have a hip injury. I think that's the primary reason they put him at guard and they wanted to essentially let him play without re injuring himself or put him at less risk of re injuring himself. Um, I, he never stood out to me as playing badly throughout the year, and he never stood out to me as being dominant either. He fits very well in the scheme the Dolphins do. They, they run a lot of zone stretch runs where you have to have linemen that can move pretty well, and Pouncey is very athletic for his size, so he's he's got some special talent. Um, in terms of extending him now, um, the reasons I would see that the Dolphins want to do it on their side of things is he is coming off a season where he was hurt. He was hurt pretty bad, and he also wasn't like looking like people are on film saying, oh, "Wow, he just was amazing this year." So it makes me wonder if maybe his um, valuation is down a little bit right now. They want to have him long term, but he's coming off a year in which maybe they can sign him a little more affordable to a long term contract versus let him play out his current contract, and then if he comes in just as an amazing year, then he would be, you know, very, very expensive. I don't think he's looking for um, top of the market numbers. So that, that's why I think they're talking about it on Mike Pouncey's side, not knowing what his injury situation is. Is is he 100% now? Will he ever be 100% again? What is the likelihood of him re-injuring his hip? If that stuff's into play, I could see Mike Pouncey's side of it where, it would make sense to lock in a guaranteed deal right now, even if it's not at the premium of the market. But just you know, for his financial security, for his future, he could lock in a deal right now with guaranteed money that's a little bit less, but also protects him for the season coming in. That's the kind of deal I think that's being talked about right now. That's why it's being talked about.
1: Yeah. So, do you think that obviously he's played center is the majority of his NFL career? Actually, all throughout his NFL career, guard uh, this past season. We saw him struggle at guard this year, Chad. Center obviously is his best option moving forward.
3: I think – I, I mean, if you remember early on in the season when we talked about when he came back, and we, he had played guard for uh, one game. And, and the comment I had about it was, to me, Mike Pouncey is maybe an average guard. He's an elite center. I yeah. just he's, he's not that big for an offensive guard. I think he's a little bit undersized, but he's got very good size to be a center and very good mobility to be a center. And he's got a uh, a a mental toughness about him. I mean, Mike Pouncey is a really tough player in there in the trenches. And I think the center tends to be kind of like the leader of the offensive line. They're the ones that that are calling out the blocks. And I like Mike Pouncey in there at center. Uh, My hope is that what's going to happen and is they're going to get him at a reasonable, you know, like four or five year contract where it's fair to both sides, and we lock him in to be our center for the next, you know, four or five seasons. That's what the plan is, and I have to think that is what's going on. It makes sense for both sides, and uh, hopefully, it it comes through and he's healthy for those seasons
1: and it works out for everybody. I know you're not a medical expert, Chad, but do you think he can recover from his hip injury playing center for the rest of his career? I, you
3: know, I don't know. I mean, and I, I don't think anybody's going to know that except probably the team and the doctors, Sam, because obviously it was severe for the type of surgery he had to have. I mean, it wasn't like he, uh, you know, had an injury that you just know that it's a run-of-the-mill injury that you're going to 100% recover from. I I think it's one of those injuries where you're not 100% sure he's going to recover from it. And so uh, I, I think he'll do everything he can do to rehab it. I think he's got a lot of talent. And so I... I think as long as he doesn't have a, a re-injury of it, I don't know that he will be at the same level he was you know, two years ago. But yeah. I think he'll still be a very effective football player. That, that would be my my guess on it but i can't you know realistically comment on it medically without even right right of course how the surgery really turned out or what they're seeing on any kind of you know films or scans they're doing on his hip only he knows that but i'm sure that the dolphins i would hope they know it very well and so the fact they're talking contract extension has to indicate they feel pretty good about it yeah so chad you don't think that um and I always
2: and I always have to try to bring this back because I want to I want to make sure we don't talk about these people like they're robots. There's always a human element involved. You you really think that Pouncy's going to be willing to take a lesser deal so willingly, less than his brother? Because we all know how it is with sibling rivalry. These guys are going to be competing with each other to find out who's really the best Pouncy brother. And if he he makes less money than Marquise, well. I don't know. That just sounds like it's going to be a little bit of annoying to him.
3: Uh, Here would be my – not Mike Pouncey at all. Obviously, I've never talked to Mike Pouncey um, at all. I know he's – I would have said a year ago I would have been more along that thinking, but I think um, he had a strong degree of humility and wake-up call because the type of injury he had um, can end your career. And so I think there was a period of time, you know, right at the beginning of the season there when he was hurt – that he's having physicians tell him you may not be able to play professional football like you were before. And so I think you can even see it in Mike Pouncey's demeanor. I mean, in the prior years, Mike Pouncey was always kind of a guy that would be making headlines for the wrong reasons. He'd be out at a club, getting in trouble, or he'd be outspoken in the media. He was very much quiet this year, blue collar, go to work and, and get the job done. And I think a lot of it's because he was rehabbing his hip. He wasn't where he wanted to be at. And, so I think this coming season now, and where Mike Pouncy's at, I think the issue of him being the highest paid center in the league, or him being paid more than his brother, I don't think that's his highest priority. Right? Well, let me ask you, if if you were in a situation where you had an injury, and I was to tell you, I don't know how long your hip's going to hold up. I mean, it, hopefully it will for a few more years, but you know, at any given time, it could be you could be done. You're at risk of getting hurt more than you used to be. Now, you know that if I were to come to you and say, all right, you can hold out this year, risk that hip getting hurt and get nothing, or I'll guarantee you $25 million right now. Would you take the $25 million right now and just say, I'm going to bank that money right now and feel comfortable that I have it in place so if I do get hurt, I'm not that worried about it. I can still go out and lay it on the line and and do everything I can do to help the team. Or would you say, no, I'm going to roll the dice, hope I can get $35 million next year, and I'm not going to sign a contract extension. That, that's the kind of scenario he would be in. Yeah. Well,
2: I would. I would pretty much. I, if it were me, I'd. Probably, I'd. i pretty much have confidence in myself. The way you're making it sound like is that Pouncy realizes that his days are numbered and he's going to take whatever number gets thrown at him. I don't think that's going to be how it works. I mean, if oh, that no, I,
3: came, I'm not saying he's going to sign for like a ridiculously cheap contract, and I don't think that's what the Dolphins are trying to do. I think you're in a scenario where. He, this is not Mike Pouncey from a year ago. This is Mike Pouncey after a severe hip injury, who didn't look dominant on film at all this year. And well, I, he was I out
2: of position, on. man. He hadn't played guard since college. Guarder, not guard. even, not, not, not even, in, not even in practice. He'd never played guard again before since you're, college.
3: You're, you're, you're making the assumption that he's a, He's fine. Then you think medically he's fine.
2: Well, he looked pretty good in training camp. Even when he was just in training camp, he wasn't even supposed to come back yet. Pouncey looked pretty good where he was. But, I mean, when you're out of position and when when you're playing a position that you haven't played in three or four years, that's it's going to take some time to get used to. What well, it was Jawan James suddenly not as effective at left tackle? He was out of position. He's not yeah, built for
3: that. That's absolutely true. But he also was not coming off of... I mean, this isn't a, a minor injury Mike Pouncey's coming off of. And so I... I I, it is my opinion that he's already been told that this injury may affect his the, the level of play he'll have, and it also may it affect the length of his career, that type of an injury. And so, I, I, like I said, I don't think Mike Pouncey is desperately looking to sign a deal. I think Mike Pouncey, because of that injury, is at a higher risk now of re-injuring his hip, and if that happens, his career would effectively be over. And so he's got to decide how much guaranteed money do I want right now to set myself for the rest of my life versus risking it off just trying to make how much more money. So it, that, it's a game of numbers right now. And what my point would be, what would I think Mike Pouncey would sign a contract at like a million dollars a year? No way he'll do that. But I also think he may not be looking for, I need to be the top one or two centers paid in the league right now. He may sign for as long as he's paid like a top 10 center, and he gets that money guaranteed, I think he may go for that just to lock in the security of his future.
2: I don't know, man. It's, it feels like you're you're making you're making Pouncey's pride level go from where it was through the roof into pretty much a moment of, I'm well, pretty what? much lucky to still be playing.
3: Okay, on the flip side of that, Lewis, let me ask you this. If you're the Miami Dolphins now, you've got to make a decision as a Dennis Hickey. If Mike Pouncey's, and you're talking contract extension right now, and Mike Pouncey's demanding to be paid... Like the top one or two centers in the league, why would you do it right now? Why would you agree to do that?
2: Um, pretty, I would not agree with that. Actually, I understand that he's not. I if if my if my concerns with Pouncy are his injuries, then I'm already looking forward to moving on to the next one because I mean, look, man, he didn't. If if he was really that much of a risk injury wise, then why did he not get hurt again coming back? Because he was we got lucky then if that's the case then we're going to be expecting to get lucky for the rest of the time he's in a Dolphins uniform if that's if we're really that worried about him getting hurt and not coming back and not being the same Mike Pouncy, then I'd say let Mike Pouncy go move on find somebody
1: else yeah right I mean it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens he's going to get an extension he he should be you know he'll be back at center It'll be interesting if he gets his strength back Kathy any thoughts on, on Pouncey and, and his progress the past season and and his uh, tenure at guard?
0: Yeah, I think um, his injury just kind of gave him a little bit of a reality check. Not so much diminish his pride, but just maybe put things into perspective for him. So hopefully he won't come down demanding like a huge contract from us. Um, and if he is, then I say move on to the next one.
2: Yeah. Uh, he 's currently making he 's going to be making seven million four hundred thirty eight thousand right now this is the last this is the last year of his rookie deal and he 's going to be a seven point five million cap hit so if we 're going to sign him, I would sign him to a contract extension as soon as possible and see if we can 't lower that cap hit for this year well right. just
3: keep in mind always with contracts you 're looking at the guaranteed number that 's all that matters so you yeah. could you could give mike pouncy uh Eighty million dollar five year deal, but if only like four million of it's guaranteed up front, you can cut him at any time without any effect on the cap. So right. I I think this is all about guaranteed money. That's and I, there wouldn't be if they were going to come out to the media and say we're trying to do contract extensions. I mean, you're not hearing them say that about all the players. So to me, it, it suggests that they've already been to the table a little bit, and both sides want to get a long term deal done. And so I I, I think that. It's it's a good thing on both sides.
1: Yeah, it's not a matter of uh, if, it's a matter of when. And that's what's gonna happen. Moving on to the next person who is in line to get a contract extension, either within the coming months or you know, before the season's over, is Ryan Tannehill. And Lewis is our lead guy, he's gonna take the lead on, on the Tannehills position. Lewis, same questions for you. What are your thoughts on Tannehill? Has he been improving? How's he progressing? Is he worth picking up either the fifth-year option or going to our long-term contract, or seeing if the Dolphins, you know, wait for this season to play out, see how he does? Uh, if he if he plays way better, then they're going to have to pay a lot more. If he plays the same, they're going to be in good shape. If he regresses a little bit, obviously tougher decision, but they'll save a little bit of money. What do you think is going to happen here, and does he deserve it? Is that a trick question, Matt? No, no. You tell me your
2: thoughts. Uh, absolutely, he deserves it. I mean, look, what I can't understand what else it is that people expect Tannehill to do. I've, 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 I've always been saying that. It's like people are complaining about the, – about the only thing left there is to complain about Ryan Tannehill is his deep ball, which people will go to their graves saying he couldn't do and that's why he was a bad quarterback, even though that's completely ridiculous, Or and his pocket presence, which – I mean, let's give let's give him a break here, man. It's not like his pocket his pocket has ever actually been all that great. He's constantly been looking left and right, trying to find out if somebody's getting ready to kill him. So, I don't blame Tannehill completely for his lack of pocket presence at the moment, but simply because he's never really had a pocket to begin with. He's always been on the run because he's had a crap offensive line for every year he's been in the league, and despite that. He still managed to put up amazing numbers. He's he's been he's the first quarterback since Dan Marino to throw for four thousand yards in a dolphin uniform. Granted, he threw a lot more passes to get there because it's a passing lead. But nevertheless, he got to 4,000, and that makes him special. Why didn't Chad Henney do that? Because he was not good as Ryan Tannehill. Jay Fiedler never pulled that off, he's, and that's he's not as good as Ryan Tannehill. I don't know why people are saying that Jay Fiedler is actually better, because he had Ricky Williams as his running back, and they got to the – what? No. Let's look – we have to look at what – we have to look at the situation as a whole. Tannehill has had no offensive line and still succeeded. Tannehill has had – Uh, mostly lackluster weapons with the exception of a Mike Wallace who hasn't been being who hasn't been used to his full potential because of Tannehill's one weak spot in the deep deep passing game and I mean you haven't really given him the the stuff he needs to succeed the stuff that any quarterback needs to succeed people are complaining about him throwing short passes all the time and I'm looking over there at New England and this is what I was talking about for the Super Bowl I, I actually counted all of the pass attempts that Tom Brady did during the Super Bowl. If I'm correct, he threw 51 passes. Am I correct in that?
1: Uh, 50.
2: Okay. I counted 40 passes, not completions, just passes in general. 40 passes of, out of those 50 that, were go, that went less than 10 yards in the air. Less than 10. People are complaining about... Tannehill's 20-yard box, and we hear about the all the time from uh, the Big O Show or whatever, saying that Tannehill's trapped in this 20-yard box and that's why he's not a good quarterback, and I'm looking at New England, counting all the passes. I counted every single one of Brady's passes. 40 out of 50 of his passes went less than 10 yards. Why Why is it that Brady gets praised for being so awesome, doing the exact same thing Tannehill does, and Tannehill gets killed for it? Because he has the deep ball threat and he should be he has the threat in White Wallace and he can't use it properly. I mean, that's a pretty excuse that's what you're trying to come up with for he's a bad quarterback. Tannehill's that he doesn't have players like Gronk who instead of tackles pack, people on the way to the end zone, it's not his fault he doesn't have a like Blunt who can't run pull over like their bone pins. I mean and again Great wall of Foxborough keeping Brady safe as he looks for these targets. Of course he can find targets easily. He doesn't have to worry about running for his life. Tannehill has had to do that all three years of his career. We're complaining about Tannehill being a bad quarterback, even though he plays the exact same kind of game that Brady currently does, but Brady has all the tools he needs to make sure that he is successful. He has a great running back in LeGarrette Blunt. He has a good scat back in Shane Vereen who can make catches out of the backfield whenever he wants. He has a Rob Gronkowski, a freak of nature, and arguably the best tight end in all of football. He has these up-and-coming people in Brandon LaFell who had a lot of talent and managed to get his, um, his game going. People are telling me that Brady has no weapons. Excuse me? Brady has no weapons? Brady has Gronk. He has Blunt. He has Vereen. He has Edelman. He has Amendola. All of these guys are... While they're not super talented, these guys will fight to the death to make sure they win this game. Who do the Dolphins have? Mike Wallace, who uh, we can say that he quit or we can say he got benched. Either way, he wasn't playing, and that's a problem. And he has his issues with his hands and his effort every once in a while. He has Hartline, who is okay, but not really that special for number two receiver. We have Landry, okay, that's a good one, but even Landry being a rookie, he still has some improvement to go through. Clay, Clay's good, but he's not Gronk. Who's nobody is Gronk. Maybe Graham is the closest thing to Gronk, but that's not that's not who Clay is. Clay is not that huge target that Tannehill needs to bring down passes in the end zone when he really needs it. And and he has Lamar Miller. Okay, Lamar Miller's pretty good, but he's not gonna run anybody over and he's not particularly great in the passing game. And, of course, he does not have a great ball of Davy to make sure that he's going to be protected for as long as he needs. He can't, he can't call Lauren and call for pizza and make sure that everything's set for the party tonight or whatever like Brady does calling Giselle. I mean, give him a break, man. How many quarterbacks do you know can succeed not having an offensive line all his whole career and not having the weapons that some of these elite quarterbacks have at their disposal? It's not all about the quarterback. As much as people want to try and make it about the
1: quarterback all the time, it just isn't. About the team, who do you have around you? You, you said you pretty much said it all, Lewis. Uh For me, the only thing I'm going to add to it is what I'm, a lot of other people have been saying. The Dolphins have several problems. Quarterback is not one of them right now, and it's not Correct. going to be for the next five-plus, possibly ten years. That's if all I'm going to say. If people want Tannehill to take the next step, Give him an offensive
2: line to work with. Give him a big target. Give him a big running back, and let's just see how much how much better Tannehill is. That's all I have right. to say. Right, Chad, Kathy, I don't know
1: if you have any other thoughts on Tannehill that Lewis didn't say.
3: Well, I I think it's almost a foregone conclusion he's going to get the uh, extra year picked up, the extension, the fifth year extension. There's there's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, Would I, I try to extend Ryan Tannehill right now? To, depends on the numbers he wants um you just gotta always remember pro football is a very dangerous sport and any play can be the last play of your career so i'm usually one where i say don't give a guy a crazy big extension if you got him under contract for another year or two because you can always give him a crazy big extension the following year right whereas if if he's willing to sign a, a reasonable like contract you know in the case of Ryan Tannehill if he's wanted like a hundred million dollar contract I wouldn't give that to him right now but if he'd sign for like a you know a 60 or 70 million dollar deal over five years or something like that I would probably do it right now just based on how hard quarterbacks are are to get and the thing that I really don't like are when people are comparing Ryan Tannehill to Tom Brady or comparing him to Drew Brees or Peyton Manning I mean to be honest are two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. They're right there with Marino, Elway, Montana, those names. And that's they'll they'll, you know the first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And so comparing Ryan Tannehill in his third year, it's just that's not even a realistic comparison. I I like to compare him to his peers. You know, who are the young quarterbacks in the NFL. And you can throw out Russell Wilson, you can throw out Andrew Luck, you can throw out Tom Kaepernick, you know, all those quarterbacks out there. Andy Dalton, any of those, I don't see any of those quarterbacks as significantly better than Ryan Tannehill. Make a case, Andrew Luck's better, for sure. I mean, to me, he's been in a lot weaker division, a lot easier game position. Of course, he's going to look better statistically, but I feel, okay, like, for, but, I feel but, like... But, but, but Luck managed to like, get farther than... Luck managed well, to get to I I would go out, though and say Miami would have made the playoffs the last three years in that division as well so, I, mean, okay. so I, I I I I'm not saying that not trying to take anything away from Andrew Luck the point I'm making is if you're looking at who are going to be the best quarterbacks in the NFL in say 3 or 4 years Ryan Tannehill to me is, is one of the top guys in that range right now because Five years from now, Tom Brady's probably gonna be retired. Uh, and obviously we pray. will be retired. But you know, those guys are at the end of their twilights of their career and they've had, you know, Hall of Fame careers. So I I don't really don't get caught up on trying to compare ryan Tannehill to tom brady right now because it's not a realistic comparison
2: so right absolutely i'm not comparing brady to Tannehill in the sense that brady is not as good as is is work is, is on Tannehill's level Tannehill is nowhere near tom brady and that's and i I'm, and i'm not trying to make it sound like that brady is not as good as we make him out to be all i'm saying is that brady's play style is similar Tannehill's not so much the skill level because of course Brady's a better quarterback than Tannehill. Brady's accomplished more than Tannehill has and might. Who knows? Brady's accomplished more than Tannehill might ever. I mean, he did win four Super Bowls. He had a lot of help to get there, but he did win the four Super Bowls. But. Tannehill. I
3: mean, I, honestly, I would give Ryan Tannehill a bigger contract right now than I would give Tom Brady simply because of Brady's age. I wouldn't give Tom Brady a five-year, $100 million deal right now with a ton of guaranteed money, whereas I would be more inclined to give it to Ryan Tannehill because I, I my belief is people forget Ryan Tannehill only played quarterback for one year in college. I mean, that is, that is not much at all when he came to All of the his experience came in the NFL. And so he's in his third year, you know, where somebody like Andrew Luck, he, I think he played four years. I think he played as a freshman. He played every single year in college in a pro system. And so he's ahead of the curve when he – to the NFL, whereas Ryan Tannehill is way behind the curve. So, I really believe in three years Ryan Tannehill is going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So, in terms of giving him an extension, if he would agree to anything reasonable, like a, you know maybe like with the tenth rated or even up to the fifth rated quarterback in the league's getting long term, I probably would go for it and do it.
0: Well, geez, Chad, you just gave me a heart attack thinking about the thought of Tannehill. <laughs> Getting injured, I was like, "Oh my God, don't do that!" To me. <laughs>
2: it can happen I, to anybody. We—that's the thing with Chad that gets to me.
0: My heart sunk. Oh my God! But yeah, I just—he needs to be our quarterback for a long time, and whatever we have to do to make that happen, we need to make it happen.
2: Yeah. So you don't want to draft Jameis Winston?
0: No, 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 no.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> he has it. Remember, he has it. All right. I'm
0: interested in it. <laughs>
1: So we've got we've got Pouncy down, we've got Tannehill down. Two guys going to get an extension. Next person moving on, Charles Clay, who was uh, I reported the other day on FitManiacs.com that he's in line for an extension as well. Or not an extension. He's actually a free agent. The Dolphins would really want to bring him back. He really found his niche in Bill Lazor's offense as we got towards the end of the season. Bill Lazor finally figured out how to best use him in the Miami Dolphins offense. Kathy's going to take the lead on Charles Clay. Again, it's looking like it's a matter of when, not a matter of if. Kathy, same questions for you that we had for Chad and Lewis. Does he deserve it? What can we expect from Clay? Is he going to, he had an off year in 2014. Is he going to get back to his dominant form that he was in 2013 and got us all excited about what he can produce, you know, this past season? But unfortunately, due to various things, he didn't.
0: Okay, well, first, I just want to say that he's a very smart guy. This is kind of embarrassing to admit, but we used to play each other at Words with Friends.
1: Who, you and, and Clay? He,
0: yeah, and he beat me every single time. <laughs> that's it awesome.
1: Was,
0: yeah, he's a really intelligent guy.
1: But he, he, he used the cheat buttons, that's why.
0: <laughs> yeah, he cheated I, so. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is bad. I'm embarrassed for myself. Yeah. But, I mean, credit to him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He'll find out you're the But anyway, the I know
0: 2013... <laughs> I hope so. I like him. Um, I know 2013 was his breakout season, and people on the fact that he was only targeted 84 times this season as opposed to 102 times in 2013. But that was with two fewer games, of course, because of his injury. And not to mention this season we had a more widespread offense. So, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to compare. I mean, sure, he's not the tallest tight end or the best blocker, but he um, is still ranked the 14th best tight end in the NFL, which was kind of a shock to me. I didn't realize he was ranked that high. And also he has chemistry with Tannehill, and I believe that sometimes that's more valuable than stats alone. I think as long as he stays healthy, he's not part of the problem in Miami. And other teams have shown interest in him, which scares the crap out of me to be honest because i can't imagine seeing him elsewhere um i mean he had um the four games following his return this season he averaged 14.5 yards per carry so i mean he's still the big play play that we know and love so i don't see why we wouldn't re-sign him i mean the value's there i don't i don't know i think he's worth it
2: I believe I believe you're right about that, but again, I'm not going to pay him um, Gronk or Graham money simply because he's not those guys. I'm not going to pay elite money for. I, I, I'm I'm not arguing that he's not very good. He is. He's very good tight end, but he's mm-hmm. not exactly what Tannehill needs to be really great. He's not. I, I I I I hate to be picking on a guy because he's not big enough, but I mean look at Gronk. He's like, he's 6'5". Is Jimmy Graham. I think he's 6'7". So, really, with those guys, all you really have to do is just throw the ball in his general vicinity and he's going to find a way to come down with it. And then he's going to run over everybody on his way to the end zone. Clay can't do that. He's not big enough. He's only 6'3". For a tight end, that's not particularly impressive. If he were a wide receiver, I'd say, yeah, that's pretty good. Let's go for it. But... (sighs) I'm not I'd, – I'd be willing to pay him $6 million a year. Maybe I'll even go up to seven if we if I knew for sure that he was going to be good to go for the next few years. But I'm not going to pay him $9 million a year or however much money Jimmy Graham is making right now.
0: I agree for, with that. I okay. don't think he deserves Gronk or Graham money, okay. but I think we should keep him.
2: Yeah. We need to look into other options for the number two spot, or maybe even turn Clay into the number two and pick a guy who's gonna um, be that true number one option that we need. If we had a, I guess I'm gonna come back to the Patriot um, com- comparison again because, and I hate to do this, but who, who, how many of us were just salivating at the idea of have of having a healthy Dustin Keller back? And that was before we knew pretty much that his career was over. We were hoping he'd come back from it, but you know sorry dustin but we were hoping and praying that dustin keller would come back and we could sign him into the team knowing that clay was there ready to go and those two could team up and become one of the best tight end tandems in all of football reminiscent of the rob Gronkowski and aaron hernandez days we wanted that that num- that one two punch that the patriots had and we were hoping that it would end up being keller i'm not convinced that sims can do what we want from him, he's getting better. He's good, and he's getting better. But I don't know if he can reach that point where we can say that Clay, he and Clay are going to be on the same um, talent level. So if I'm, I'm looking, I'm going to be looking around the league to find another guy to pair with Clay, and then maybe bring in Sims as a pace as a. Change of pace tight end to come in and be a better blocker when Clay needs a breather because that's not Clay's strength is not in blocking. We figured that out. We, well, we hopefully figured that out. I hope Philbin has learned that Clay is not a an, uh, fullback and that he's not going to try and block behind the line anymore. That experiment failed miserably. We need to move on from it. He's a tight end who can catch the football. Don't try to make him do things he doesn't do. That whole versatility thing is starting to make me sick,
1: Kathy. Yeah. Why why do you think Charles Clay had an off year in Bill Lazer's offense this year? Was it just because of injuries or was it because the laser didn't know how to use in the right way?
0: I think it was a little bit of both. I think they're still trying to merge together and I think, you know, um the last four games of the season he was a little bit more dominant, so I think they're getting there and I think a little bit more time together and it could be good again. We could have the claymaker back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he definitely needs to get back to his dominant form. We saw a little bit of it going back towards the end of the season um, where he was getting much more involved in the offense. And hopefully he comes back healthy. And and now the double threat with him and Deion Sims. Mm. So we'll see see what happens. Chad, any thoughts on on Clay? Sure. Well,
3: one thing you guys got to keep in mind is – you know, you got to keep in mind the personal situations for the players. And uh, Charles Clay, I, I want to say he was a sixth, fifth or sixth-round pick, somewhere in that range, when he was drafted. And uh, that's the contract he played out. And so Charles Clay is not a guy that is financially secure right now. I mean, sure, he's made great money compared to probably what the average person makes, but this is not a guy that has 30 $40 million banked. And so... The biggest thing with Charles Clay is going to be guaranteed money, just as I was talking about with the Pounds, because Charles Clay's in line for the biggest contract you'll be able to sign in his career. You know, If he signs a four- or five-year deal, this this is it right here. So you're not going to get Charles Clay really cheap. Uh, on the flip side, some of the stuff Lewis mentioned is true. Charles Clay's only 6'3", and he's definitely not a prototypical tight end. He really is an back, whether you want to use him that way or not. That's what he's built to do. So I think that makes the market demand for him not really high. I don't think Charles Clay is going to go out and get top even 10 money at the tight end position in the open market. I just don't think teams are going to look at him that way. So I think the key with Charles Clay is you don't have to give him a real big deal. I don't think he has to make $9 million a year. What you're going to probably have to do is pay him more along the lines A four to five million dollars a year, but guarantee like 20 million of it. So basically, say, look, let's work out a reasonable deal for what his skill set is and what he does for the team. But they're going to have to invest in him, you know, being on the team for the next four or five years, which I think absolutely is going to happen on both sides. I think he's happy. He's definitely a Joe Philbin type of player. He's very, very modest. If you ever see Clay give an interview, he is not an arrogant, cocky, I'm all that type of guy. So I really. Think that's probably where he's at in his personal life. Is I like just give him my guaranteed money, so I'm set, and he'll show up and do the work. I do completely disagree with Lewis on Dion Sims. I, I I think similar to the comment you guys made on Tannehill that what the team needs tight end is not an issue. If we get Clay back in, you know in the fold with Sims, the Sims and Clay together. Tight ends are really low on what's the problem with the team right now? We don't we don't need more, more tight ends and to get but, to get an elite one. I mean they're they're hard to get. I mean a, a Jimmy Graham type player is, is extremely athletic and so you know there was one in this draft, Ebron, or whatever his name was, let's say from North Carolina. I mean he's a top fifteen. Miami just doesn't have the position to go get that kind of player right now. They have such big holes because they're not in a position where they can go out and spend a huge amount of money on the salary cap to sign a free agent tight end and in the draft i just with sims on the team right now um, especially if they can re-sign clay i just don't think they can use high draft picks right now on a tight end they need to get uh, defensive tackles they need to get linebackers they need to get cornerbacks they need to get a starting safety i mean those are such a bigger need right now that i i just i don't see this going any other way than them working out a, a reasonable deal with clay and our tight ends next year being clay and sims
2: well, don't yeah. misunderstand me, Chad. Don't misunderstand me. I didn't say that we need to find a replacement for Clay. I was just saying, and I'm not. And I've been one of the one, the highest, the one of the guys highest on Sims all this past season. I've been saying how much Sims has improved and how much better he's been over the past uh, few games. I mean, I, my issue with Sims is that, like Clay, he's not that big. I, I, I keep coming back to this because I keep talking about how Tannehill needs a big target to throw to that he can count on to say, "Here, please help." Yeah, I, I need someone to come save the day. That guy is. I'm not sure that Sims is that guy. He's he's only one inch taller than uh, Clay is, and that's. I mean, Gronk is six five, but he's a freak of nature. Sims isn't as big as Gronk is, so, and he's not as great at catching the football. I'm not saying he needs to be elite, but I would really appreciate it if he had like elite size. If you if I can if I can make that kind of thing. If I'm going to look for a tight end, I'm going to see if I can bring in Jordan Cameron on a prove it deal or maybe see if I can bring in a Jermaine Gresham and see what he's willing to take. Just to just to make the inquiry. If we go into the season Sims. I'm not really going to complain that much because I like what I've seen from Sims. But if it's possible to find a guy who's 6'5 or more, then absolutely I'm going to take that opportunity. I'm, Arthur Lynch is actually 6'5, but I, I mean, I'm mean i not sure what to expect from Arthur Lynch, if anything. He didn't get a chance to play in training camp all that much, so if he can somehow make a surprise, uh, surprise appearance... Like Sims did this season, then I won't complain about the tight end spot. I'm not necessarily com- saying that tight end is a need per se, but if we can find a possible upgrade, then absolutely make the inquiry. Don't just stand pat and say we're good to go with tight end. We're not even going to look at it.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's a lot of upgrades out there for tight end this this offseason. But if the Dolphins don't need to create a hole, then there's no need to. They can get Charles Clay on the cheap because of his injury and, and the year he's coming off of. And again, another another contract that looks like uh, could just be a matter of if. Uh, I mean, could just be a matter of when, not a matter of if it's going well, to happen. I'm, well, again, I'm not saying replace Clay. I'm, bring, I'm bringing I'm back Clay no matter what. I'm just yeah. saying for the number two spot. Okay. All right. Moving on from that, we are now going to talk about Terrell Williams, the uh, the newest defensive line coach for the Miami Dolphins. He comes from technically he comes from the University of Florida, where he was for one month after being with the Oakland Raiders for the past several years. He's had many stops throughout his long career. He's uh, coached with the Raiders the past three years. He worked as a college assistant for 13 years. He's also coached at Texas A&M under Mike Sherman from 2010 to 2011. He also spent time with many other colleges such as Purdue, uh, Akron, Youngstown State, North Carolina, a and and Fort Scott Community College. The good thing about Terrell Williams that I like is he's been a defensive line coach his entire career. Oftentimes, we will see coaches jumping from the offensive side to the defensive side. We've seen you know, defensive coordinators go to tight ends coach, go to offensive line coach, go to quarterback's coach, then jump to the other side, become a linebacker's coach. It's just a carousel. I guess if you're a coach, you're a coach no matter where you are on the football field. But he has been a defensive line coach throughout his entire career. He was a defensive lineman as well. He's well-respected in league circles, according to beat reporters who have covered him during his stops. I put a post up on finmaniacs.com, courtesy of rivals.com. And in it, beat writers talk about how he's very intelligent how he's had experience with both a four three and a three four front. So if the Dolphins wanted to experiment with that, you know, that's certainly in play. He is laid back, easy going. He he is very honest though, very positive. Players love playing for him. So despite everyone saying, Oh, Casey Rogers is such a huge loss, you know, it could be something where he's just as good, if not better, than Rogers. Obviously, you won't know until that start meeting for camp and everything else, but so far he looks like he could be, you know, one of, one of the better hires that, they, that there's been made this offseason. Another uh, positive about him is they say he's been excellent in getting his message across to kids, connecting with them, and in this case, adults. Does a great job of selling individuals on different aspects of the game and, and what their role is on the field. Does his homework on opponents, meets with specific players, meets with them to go over the game plan, to go over their assignments. And he's, he's survived a lot of coaching changes. He's rarely ever been on the hot seat. The Oakland Raiders, under Jack Del Rio, made a strong push to keep him right before he left for the University of Florida. But his wife wanted to go back home. She's from Florida. And unfortunately, back in 2014, at the beginning of the season, he dealt with tragedy when his four-year-old son unexpectedly died after a illness, unexpected illness, That just came up one day and had a short battle with that. And obviously, unimaginable to go through something like that. But we'll we'll see what he can bring to the table. All signs already point to that he's a great hire. Last season, Philbin made two great hires in Bill Lazor and John Benton. And if he can make the same magic happen again in 2015, then he might be finding himself back in Miami for the next several years. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on Williams, if you've done your research on him, if, if you have anything to say about that. I, I don't have
3: anything in particular. I, I'm more of a let's see how he preps the guys coming into the season. Um, I'm hoping that he has some input on their defensive tackle situation because Miami is in a very interesting scenario right now where they've got uh, Randy Stark's, uh, Earl Mitchell are both guys that can be let go right now for huge salary cap savings. And so somebody's got to make the call, are those guys worth their money? And if are they replaceable? Are there guys in the draft they feel like they could bring in as rookies and start and replace them? Should they just leave them there for another year and, and deal with it next year? And what do you do with Jared, Jared Odrick? I, my opinions off what I've been reading and hearing is that Odrick is not coming back to Miami, or at the very least – he's going to fully test the market and be going out meeting with other teams. And the only way he will return to Miami is if he's just not getting the value he's, he believes he's going to get out there on the open market. So we we definitely need somebody that is very knowledgeable at evaluating defensive tackles. So I'm, I'm hoping he's able to do
1: that as well. Kathy, anything, anything on Williams you got? Uh,
0: honestly, I didn't know too much about him until your little spiel right there. But I am excited to see him come to Miami and
1: I think we lost Kathy there for a little bit. Uh she's excited about him coming to Miami. Yeah, Lewis, you uh, Lewis, you got anything? Uh well, uh you conveniently missed the fact that he has connections
2: to Mike Sherman. Yeah, he does. So, well, uh, That's politics. right. Yeah, 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 Mike Sherman. <laughs> it's like it's, it's not like, horrible. Why can't we? I know, but we can't get rid of this man. No matter how hard we try, is like we keep bringing more Mike Sherman influence in here. I, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna complain too much, but it's just it kind of rubs me the wrong way the fact that we're bringing in more Mike Sherman stuff in here. It's like, yeah. come on, man, enough already. Get this guy out of here.
1: He he he, he did. He I, keeps, I will in say in some way he keeps coming back. At Texas A&M though, he during his time there, 2010, 2011, it was a uh, FBS. Best fifty-one sacks and led the Big Twelve with one hundred and four tackles for a loss. So it's not like you know he just got in here based off Mike Sherman. He's never met Joe Philbin in his life. He's never met Kevin Coyle in his life. He said in a media call with the uh, with the South Florida media. So it's not like these guys have known each other for a while. Kathy, it looks like you're back with us. Did you want to finish your thought? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So she's just excited that he's coming to Miami.
3: Like, well, I'll I, see, I, w- see I will say just to uh, add with that, uh, I didn't have any expectations to get much of any assistance.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. We talked about this it. last week. We didn't think they were going to yeah. get a big name or a good hire just because well, I mean, of the situation. The reality
3: is, is it's a it's a lame duck coaching situation I'm right, with Joe Philbin. So any any assistant that agrees to come here knows that they could very very easily be out of a job after the season. So um, that limits the ability to get big names. And I think
1: it says a lot too that he left a college coaching job where he was guaranteed at least several years pretty much, you know, uh, to come to a situation like this. Obviously, he must have a lot of respect for Philbin and the, and the talent that's here in Miami.
2: Yeah, that was the thing that got me. He has a lot of respect for Philbin and Coyle. That may, that's what got me thinking that maybe he's been talking to Mike Sherman because uh, how many I'm people sure, – I'm sure he has,
1: you know. He'd be stupid
2: not to. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's the thing. It's like, oh, he has connections to, to Philbin. That's why. Okay.
1: That's yeah. fine. whatever. I'm sure. I'm sure he did talk to Sherman. Like I said, stupid not to. And, you know, he coached with Sherman. Needs to, you know, figure out the best decision for his family. He made that decision. And now, now he's here in Miami. So hopefully he, he does good things with this defensive line and really works with our defensive tackles. And he was a defensive tackle when he played in the NFL. So, you know, if he focuses on that interior, which is desperately needed, he can rely on the veterans. And the assistant defensive line coach and the assistant defensive coaches to really work with the edge rushers to continue honing their craft. We have talked a lot oh. about – we talked a lot on this podcast about several Dolphins news, the Super Bowl, of course. It's the off season. It's hard to come by news, but when we have news, we're going to talk about it. We're going to report on it. We're going to analyze it and talk about what's best for the team. And we've had quite a bit of news this past week. We'll see what brings us moving forward. Uh, Next week, we're going to start our roster analysis, and we're going to break down the positions leading up to free agency. Again, 32 days till free agency. You break that down into weeks, and you got just under five weeks. So we're going to do several positions each podcast over the next five weeks. Lead us into free agency. And, of course, our first live show on March 10th, the first day of free agency. The Dolphins made two big splashes last year on the opening day. Signing Brandon Albert and Earl Mitchell. Anything up their sleeve this year, we'll have to see. Until next week, thank you for joining us. Stay informed on the website, FinnManiacs.com. Follow us all on Twitter. We post information every day throughout the week. So if you want to stay up for the latest Dolphins news, be sure to do that. We hope you have a great weekend. We hope you have a great week. And we'll talk to you next time on the FinnManiacs.com podcast. Thank you for listening to the Finn Maniacs Podcast. Please be sure to check out our website, www.finmaniacs.com, on a daily basis
2: throughout each day for all your latest news regarding the Miami Dolphins and the rest of the NFL.